Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I know it's been a while, it's been a minute. Um, I've been wanting to upload an episode. I just, I don't know, I've gotten, I've been busy with a few different things and trying to, um, yeah, I've, I've just been trying, I've been thinking on a lot of different subjects and topics and whatnot. And um, I, I don't know, I try to be thoughtful with these episodes. You know, I don't want to just, I don't want to just upload stuff to just upload stuff you know I want to give you something that's truly interesting to to listen to and give you something to think about you know something um I don't know some kind of quality episode but um I've also it's you know as far as guests go it's hard sometimes to coordinate everything with with guests and and get someone that has the time uh, to talk for an hour or two about something, but usually whenever they do, I've, I've only had positive feedback from the people that I talk to, you know, it's, um, some of them are hesitant and then we do it and they're really happy with how it went. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you're somebody that I've spoke to and you've been thinking about it. I mean, feel free, you know, to, to set up a date so we'll set up a time and figure it out. But, um, yeah, and even if you, you know, another thing that I've been I've been thinking about is even if you aren't local to kind of the Portland, Oregon area, uh, feel free and reach out. Let's figure out something. You know, if nothing else, maybe we can just um, call each other on, um, you know, on one kind of a video call or another, and we can just record it, and that could be your your episode. I'd be cool with doing that too for somebody. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out about that, about guest ideas, um, or another thing I've been thinking about a lot is I kind of want to rebrand the podcast. I want to give it a new name, give it a fresh feel, and um, that's something I've been thinking about. So if you got a really good idea for a name, let me know, and to give you kind of an idea of I don't know what the whole point is because when I started this, I was like, I just want to talk to people and I want to, I want to publish episodes. Um, and I didn't really know what I want it to be, but I can speak to that a little bit more now. Um, with each episode, you know, I want it to be informative and I want it to help somebody to, to grow or to refine their mind and, and the way that they think in a new way. You know, I want somebody to have a new outlook on a subject or a topic or consider something new to try, pursue some kind of new passion, you know, whatever uh, that is for you. That's what I want to get out of this show is I want somebody else to get something positive from because I love talking. I love asking questions. I love learning. Um, but I want whoever's listening to get something out of the episodes. And, you know, even if it's just, I don't know, something, some kind of easy listening, something simple to, to hear, but, um, there's a, enough seriousness in the world and enough, um, stressful things that you could focus on that I would like to create episodes that are fun and engaging and just give you something positive to think about. Um, so if you, uh, if you happen to think of something like that, you know, I, I used to, what I kind of thought on for inspiration was me and a, a couple of buddies, we used to take these, uh, we used to do like this sharpening kind of business together where we sharpen knives and tools and, 
um, whatnot for people. And it was fun. It was really good. But what I really enjoyed about it was uh, these like axe projects. We would get axes or hatchets or whatever. And they'd be like really old axe heads, you know, just, you know, some of them were super old and they'd be rusted and, you know, battered and ugly <laughs> and whatnot. And we would, um, we'd polish them all up and get them sharp and, you know, replace the handle and we'd give them a whole new look and they get back to better than they'd probably ever been, you know? And I loved it. Um, but yeah, I'd love, I, I want this to be, I want this to kind of the podcast to be for people that, you know, they're in that old act state. They just feel battered or, and they, or they just, you know, they're just a little dull and they want to be sharper on something. And so I want it to be pertain to something like that, where it's, it's about really honing yourself in, um, you know, just continuing with your grind, whatever it is, and and just becoming a, a better version of yourself. Because I feel like that's what I'm. Can, I try to do. I've been trying to figure out. Um, I want to to learn more about the things that I'm curious about. I want to better understand people. I really want to better understand myself. That's something that I've thought a lot about over the past year. Has been. I'm trying to understand myself a lot. I've been trying to figure out the way that I think and the way that I respond to other people or things that happen in my life. I just want to, I just want to understand myself better, you know, and I've spoken on it in the past, but I, I want to have a better relationship with God because I do believe that I'm going to answer to, I'm going to answer to God after this life. And, um, that I will be held accountable for the life that I lived and I'm trying to build my relationship uh, with him and continue to, to walk closer to him. And um, yeah. And, and that's, that's been a, a big journey in itself, you know, and um, if that's something that you're curious about or something you'd, you'd want to hear more about, you know, I'd be happy to talk about that. It was, it was rough, you know, for a few months, I had a really hard time kind of going through that because it was just really heavy and, and, but I'd be happy to dive into that and, and give you a, a look at how I went from that, that not necessarily being a, like, I wasn't really thinking about God very often. I've, I've always believed in God, even since I was a little kid, even though I didn't like as a, as a child, I didn't grow up being um, like going to church or anything, but I always believed in God. And, um, you know, when my dad died when I was pretty young, I still believed in like, you know, the possibility of, of seeing him again someday and whatnot. But yeah, I, I didn't really know. Like I just, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, but I'm not going to dive into that too much right now. I'm just, that's a, a part of what's, um, what's been going on and, what I think about often. So, um, anyhow, but yeah, so feel free to reach out with any ideas on any of those things. Or yeah, if, if you're interested in talking with me, reach out, we'll try and figure out some way, um, to record an episode if you're remote, um, or yeah, reach out with ideas that you might have about who I can talk to, who I can seek out to interview. Give me any ideas that you might have. Um, or new podcast name ideas. If you got a really good name, 
I don't know. I'll figure out some way to hook it up for you. If you give me, if someone gives me a real, a real solid name. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love the interaction guys. And I mean, I don't know, feel free to reach out on anything, but currently the email that you can reach out to is no particular podcast at gmail.com. So I'll be on the lookout for any kind of responses there, but I want to go ahead and dive into this episode. So I sat down and I talked to my friend, Alex Dombeck, who I used to work with and we became more than coworkers. We became like, we became good friends and I feel very privileged to have gotten to, to know over the past few years. You know, we've gone on a few little camping trips here and there together and gone out for drinks and done trivia nights together and whatnot. And she's just such a positive and fun person to be around, but she's also uh, very adventurous. And that's a lot of what we dive into in her episode is talking about some of the adventures she's gone on um, internationally and the experiences that she's had, the things that she's taken away from her, her travels and you know, what she's looking forward to in the future. So um, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode with Alex. I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to set up more time because this one's a little bit longer, but I just feel like I still had like more questions to ask about some of these things, you know, but I wanted to touch on the things that, um, she'd seen and experienced and, and everything. So we, we kind of start out uh, like her from the beginning, like where she grew up and everything, where she ended up going to school how she got to where she started traveling and what those experiences look like. So anyhow, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with my friend, Alex Tombeck. Give me another run, another take on, so you grew up in what area? I grew up in Camas, Washington, which is right next to Vancouver, Washington, and across the river from Portland, Oregon. Hmm. And is that where like most of your family is from? No, actually, my dad and my mom are both from the Midwest, and they were really the only ones initially who moved out west, and then my dad has five sisters, so they all kind of spread out. Yeah, so we have a couple people in California. We had one in Oregon. No, we actually have a couple in Oregon now too. But um, yeah, big extended family, and we're the only ones in Washington. Dang, just him and five sisters. Yeah. Dang, it, are your guys like family get-togethers like pretty pretty big? Yeah, I mean, we everybody's so busy now. We don't get together as much. But when I was younger, we would have Thanksgivings at our place, and it was insane. It was you know five sisters, my dad, all of their families, all the kids. We're a fairly like musical family, and so it was always grandpa playing the piano, my cousin singing. Like one year, we had an extended cousin that I had never met until that year playing the violin. So fancy, yeah. It was holidays were good. Do you, what? What instruments do you play? Oh man, when I said we're a musical family, I I'm not included. <laughs> I I like to sing, and I try to play the clarinet in what sixth grade. And got very bored of it, and so mm. did not continue that. Played piano when I was really young for like two years. My mom had me in piano lessons, and I got very irritated because the teacher told me specifically what songs I had to play, and I did not like that because gotcha. I thought I should get to play what I wanted to, and so it didn't last very long. 
And they were having, yeah, I feel like any of those like lessons on music, it's like the boring stuff too. It's like really repetitive. Yes. Like chopsticks or just going up and down your scales. And I was like, I want to play a song so I could sing when I play the piano. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't sticking with it. Okay. And so you don't, do you have any siblings? Mm-mm, I'm an only child. Only child. Did you like that growing up? You know, it's so funny because everyone asked me that and- I never felt like an only child, honestly, because even though we had some immediate family or extended family right next to us, you know, we had a lot of family friends that my parents knew really well and all of their kids are our age. And even though I lived out in the boonies, I mean, we'd walk to each other's houses when it was snow days, we'd quad to each other's houses. So, you know, I feel like we're traditionally, you're the only child, you're by yourself a lot. Like, I always had friends coming over all the time. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I enjoyed it. It didn't feel weird to me or strange to me. I think, you know, now it's kind of like, I wish I had a sibling be able to talk through what you, what you experienced growing up. Because sure, mm-hmm. your friends will know, but nobody knows like your siblings do when you're living in a house together. But yeah, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I didn't really feel much different from anybody else. Did your parents ever, like, bring that up to you? Like, did they ever ask you, like, do you wish you had a sibling or? No, they've never mm. asked me that, which is so crazy. I think, you know, my parents wanted to have more kids. I just think it was mm. hard for them to even have me. Um, But, yeah, no, my parents, it's so interesting. They never asked me that, but I get it all the time where my friend's like, do you want a sibling? Or like, let me show you what sibling life is like, and then they'll just mess with me. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like you're a pretty, like, social and, like, outgoing person. And let's know? be fair. Like, that's probably attributed to me being an only child. Like, I don't get stage fright that often. And yeah. I, I, yeah. So it's kind of like, I could be in front of a big crowd, like, let's do this. And I think that's because it's, like, only child center of attention a lot of time yeah i guess being like the only child like you're always like kind of in the yeah in the light absolutely you know so yeah that makes sense it is interesting though because i'll talk to my friends now right and like we'll bring up conflict resolution or whatever um you know even my friends who are having kids now and i think that's something i've always struggled with is like confronting or talking about issues Mm -hmm. but it's because when i was younger it was just me and my parents and my parents aren't the ones who are like stealing things from me or telling me i'm stupid right they're always like oh you're a kid we love you and so i never had the the sibling who was like you're an idiot and so now growing up i was like oh yeah no it's it's interesting to have tough conversations now just because i'd never had them really as a little yeah. kid you had never had those like enraged tears towards your sibling or the yes <laughs> yeah i never had anyone telling me like all the things i was terrible at and yeah. so yeah now even having like critique sometimes you're like wow you know you could really work on this it's like okay yeah <laughs> okay fine i guess yeah yeah, no, yeah. That, that makes sense did um were your, both of your parents working or were they would your dad work and your mom or Vice versa, or yeah, no, they both worked. Dad, uh, key account manager, sales rep for the longest time for footwear companies. So, um, which is also really funny because you know I'd always get free samples, but I went barefoot everywhere. Mm. So everyone was like, you know, the girl who has access to whatever shoes she wants and she won't wear any of them. <laughs> that was always kind of like the the funny joke. And then yeah, my mom did billing for dental companies. So mm. yeah, gotcha. So when you were growing up, did you did you guys travel much? I know you guys kind of went on a family trip not long ago. Did you guys have like outings like that when you were growing up? You know, yes, because 
we had family all over the states so from a very young age it was always let's go visit family in Iowa or you know in California so it was a lot of like plane trips that way and then it was a lot of camping with the family friends I mentioned earlier gotcha yeah okay and so I guess uh like when so when you were growing up and everything did your did your were your parents pretty trusting of you to be able to like go do whatever you want or oh yeah okay. I mean so they were it's so funny because they were really trusting and we'll, we'll talk about it now I'll be like you know you you guys like totally believed in me that I was gonna be okay to do these things it's like yeah well you know we always had an eye on you we just wanted to make you feel like you were independent but mm. you know my family friend group with all the kids we always laugh because we're like yeah you know the parents would be hanging around by the fire and we would go off on the campground and ride our bikes and play hide and seek and you know they wouldn't see us until dark and we're like this is so crazy but yeah you know we all looked out for each other and I think generally my parents and I just always trust each other yeah and you know I think only also being an only child we were always really close so I feel like I would never really lie to them, or even if I tried, it just wouldn't work out. <laughs> you know, they just I'm, call you on it, like that's a lot of BS. Well, you know, and it wasn't even that. Like they give me a look and they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "You're right." I was like, "I can't." So yeah, no, we always, and they're always super chill, awesome parents who just were like the coolest at raising me. So I think it was like mutual respect all around. And so it was, yeah, they trusted me to go off and do my thing. I trusted them to hang out, take care of me, kind of thing. So. Yeah. Is there anything that you did that you're like, all right, I pushed it with that? Or like, like, is there like anything that stands out? You're like, all right, I got in some deep, like some deep stuff. I'm like, oh I was... no, Kyle, I was such a goody two shoes. Oh, I was really? such a good, oh my God. Yeah. I, I was like, I didn't drink until after high school. Actually, I had one drink in high school, I think. And like never snuck out or if I did, or if I was like, I'm going to go out late. My dad would just be like, just don't get caught by the cops. And if you do tell them, I had no idea what you were doing, like, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah, I really didn't cause trouble. I do remember one time I was in elementary school and my friend and I had walked to the end of the road and mind you, like I live out in the boonies middle of nowhere. So like walking to the end of the road is a little bit different than walking to the end of the road in like a cul-de-sac or a neighborhood. And my mom was looking for me. She couldn't find me. She's freaking out. And then finally we came back later and, she, you know, she's distraught. She's like, I didn't know where you guys were. I was so worried. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada. It was the first time I'd ever felt like significantly in trouble or like I let my parents down. I was like so worried. My friend went home and I went up to my mom. I was like, you know, mom, I think I should be grounded. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, I think I should be grounded for a day with no TV. And she's like, oh, <laughs> she's like, okay, if that's how you feel. And I remember going to my room and just sitting there for like a couple hours and then coming out to dinner and be like, okay, can I eat? And she's like, yes, you can. It's fine. <laughs> you grounded yourself? <laughs> yeah, I grounded myself. This is the only time I've ever been grounded. Wow. I know. You just had to take it upon yourself. I know, because I felt so bad. Dang. I know. So, that, aside from that, though, like pretty, pretty clean. Yeah. No, seriously. I, I really was a goody two-shoes. You know what's going to be funny? This is going to come out. Maybe my parents will listen to it and be like, what were you talking about? There was this time. But I I don't – I can't remember anything right now. Nothing. I mean, yeah. I feel like if most people did have, like, a really bad mistake, like, it comes to mind pretty quick. Like, Yeah. I mean, what kind of mistake are we talking about? I mean – it, well i don't know what do you got like okay. is there you i mean you can be as honest as you want i know well i'm trying to think because i feel like that was most supposed to be like adolescent mistake but i think if we're thinking about regarding parents a time we felt like i felt like i really messed up mm-hmm. 
is I was studying abroad in Spain. I was gone for four months and they came at the tail end of my study abroad to spend Christmas with me. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to pick them up from the airport and I didn't have cell service. So I could only get cell service if I had Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And they had paid for a plan, but obviously couldn't get in, in contact with me unless I was on Wi-Fi. And I had to go pick them up. And I'm, I'm a cheap traveler no matter what. I'm always a cheap traveler. And so I knew I was cutting it close. And I was like, well, I could get an Uber to pick them up, but that's going to be really expensive. I bet I could take the bus, the public transportation bus. And I bet I could get there. In and time and you're how old i'm in college i'd be 20 at that okay. point i was like i bet i can get to them in time if i take this bus i did not get to them in time i got there like 10 to 15 minutes late so here my parents are getting off the flight they have no way of contacting me i'm not at the airport to pick them up even though they i told them i would be mm -hmm. so they're looking around they can't speak a lick of spanish and they are like freaking out thinking something terrible has happened to me oh. and this is the first time they've ever come to spain the very beginning of their trip and they're just looking everywhere for me and i find and i'm seeing you know i'm on the bus I'm like oh frick this was the wrong move this was <laughs> this was the wrong decision this is the wrong move were you just like looking at your watch like the whole time just oh, like oh shit I'm yes screwed. yeah and i was like can we go faster i'm just no i know i'm knowing they're freaking out because they don't know where i'm at they can't speak the language and i was just like okay, well, hopefully I just stay at the airport. Like, hopefully it's fine. Yeah, I get there 10 to 15 minutes late. You know, I'm there. My mom's really freaked out. So I have to, like, hug them and calm them down. Um, yeah, so hindsight, 2020, spend the extra, what, 10, 20 bucks and uh, pick up your parents on time so that doesn't happen. <laughs> Word of the wise. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be cheap unless you're helping somebody else out then not so much especially if it's your parents in a foreign country <laughs> where they don't know the language right and honestly like my parents they don't have the travel bug like i do mm. so they're perfectly happy staying in the states uh so yeah this was definitely them going out of the country for me only yeah. right and then we started the trip like that so <laughs> bad daughter moment i mean hey it's uh yeah, no, that's I, that's a good one, but I would say like that's not where I would place like the mistake. Like I'm thinking of like yeah, you like definitely were being selfish and like your desires and it ended up like putting you in a pretty vulnerable state. You yeah, know, ended up in jail or like uh -oh. you know uh -oh. in a dangerous circumstance. You know, I'd say like it was unfortunate how everything like <laughs> yeah. unfolded, but you know you weren't being like malicious and right. Right, but yeah, we still when we talk about Spain, that's still kind of like the they black the black dot, right? We just kind of like skim over that, or we're I'm like, hey, that was kind of a terrible move by me, <laughs> right? And they're like, mm hmm, <laughs> like we kind of laugh now, but before yeah. we couldn't. <laughs> she is. Uh, so so um so you were in Camus, like like were you in the same school district like K through graduation or yeah yeah Did, so you pretty much like. You were pretty close with, like, all your classmates and everything. Yeah. I mean, like, right before school, I had lived in four different houses. So, like, kindergarten and before, we had moved around a lot. But as soon as it got to first grade, we were out at our house in Camus. And then, yeah, Camus – or first grade to senior year of high school, I was in the same spot the whole time. Gotcha. Yeah. Pretty same close, like, homies all the way through or – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really – 
awesome, crazy friends who, you know, from the city area and from the country area. Like I said, I live in the boonies. I had a lot of boonie friends where, you know, we get bored. So we just hop in the trucks and go off-roading and that mm-hmm. was incredible. But yeah, lots of the same friends and luckily enough, still hang out with some of them too. So it's hmm. good. Any like particular fond memories from like growing, like anything that was like the best, uh, the like when you think back and you reminisce on the highlights of like, you know, just the good times. Like, yeah. Is there anything that stands out in particular? I mean, there's so many. I like one of them. I got this junker minivan as my first car ever. Mm-hmm. And it went through three of my cousins, two of which had run the minivan into the garage door. I don't know how they did it, but they figured it out. And then it got passed off to me. And by the time it got to me, you know, half the door panel was missing because one of my cousins thought they were a mechanic and they weren't. So they gave up. And then it took one car, like one key to open the car and another to start it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so had this van, ended up falling in love with it, called it Big Bertha. Big Bertha. It was Big Bertha. It's so funny because I, I was determined. I was like, my first car is going to be a guy. It's going to be a dude. And I was on the track team at the time, and I was running with my my distance gal squad, right? And we're running by Big Bertha. And I was like, you guys, I haven't found a name for him yet, but I just know it's going to be something good and great. And like, I think it should be Bertha. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, Big Bertha. I was like, you guys, no, it's a dude. And then the whole track season, they just kept going Big Bertha. And I was so pissed for the first, like, three meets and then afterwards i kind of gave into it and then just fell in love with big bertha Mm -hmm. but she became like the the pivotal point for a lot of memories right like soccer gals relate to practice so we're all like i'm driving everyone in big bertha and everyone's changing in the cars we're like driving down the road trying to like make sure we're at to practice on time but like putting on our cleats at a stoplight right (laughs) like insane things like that or you know (laughs) She ended up dying because I tried to take her in the snow and I did not know how to drive in the snow with her. And gotcha. Yeah, totally murdered her engine. So, oh, dang. I was really sad. Was that the end of Bertha? It was the end of Bertha. Oh, dang. And you know what the worst part was? Is I took her to this mechanic that my dad loved and I never could really stand. Mm-hmm. But we took Big Bertha to him to like take care of her. And, you know, my dad's telling the situation and he's like, mm-hmm, yep, she's definitely done for. And he was like, so this is your car. And I was like, yep, I love her. And he goes, well, when I'm done with her, she's going to be nothing but scrap metal. Dang. I know. And I just looked at him. I was like, you are a cruel man. Yeah, screw you, dude. <laughs> right? You don't have to say that. You really didn't have to say that. Especially like a high school girl. It's her first car. Clearly, I love it. Like, what? What? side of the bed did you wake up on where you feel like that was the right thing to say to me right Uh, yeah well i feel like we got a pretty good rundown on kind of like your upbringing you know like what that was all about yeah so then there was like you know you went on to college and all that how did you did you care like what college you went to what your major was yeah that's a funny story too i growing up had always wanted to go to colorado don't know mm-hmm. why I had never been there, but I was like, that's my state. It's outdoorsy. I'm going. And then I found out about uh, CU Boulder, and I was like, that's my school. That's mm-hmm. where I'm going to go. Uh, and then sure enough, when the college applications came around, I found out how expensive the school was. 
Oh, you're like, that's not my college. That's not my place. Oh, it's really not my college. And I, I didn't even apply because I was like, it's just too expensive. What was it like roughly? Like, I, I don't remember. I just remember seeing. It was ridiculous. All, yeah, all the zeros. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. It's not for me. It's not, I thought it was for me. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I looked into all like all the Washington schools and then a couple Montana schools was considering Bozeman for a while, um, but ended up going to Washington State in Pullman. Mm, okay. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. I, uh, some, like, freshman year was a slow start. I don't think I found, like, my groups quite yet, and I definitely experienced the freshman 15. You know, everyone says that you go, and, oh. and I had always been an athlete, and going there, I had soccer no more, and, like, wasn't really running, and I just remember being there and being like, huh yeah, we need to do something about this. And so it was like the end of my freshman year. I went to join like the club soccer team and then sophomore year I ended up joining a business fraternity and then like totally found my niche and found my people, which was great. Um, And then as far as the major goes, I started going to school for biology. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I know. I wouldn't have guessed. Nobody. I know. But I was such a science nerd. I like thought it was so fast. I still find biology extremely fascinating i think it's so cool and i loved all my classes i would totally nerd out like people would go <laughs> god i sound like such a, a basic boring person but people no. would go to parties and like i'm gonna i'm gonna practice my flashcards <laughs> 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 and i'd still go to parties don't get it wrong pullman got me for sure but um yeah no i started biology major absolutely loved it but then essentially like over that summer did a like a volunteering gig at a wildlife refuge and very cool well i thought it would be oh i thought it'd be really cool (laughs) and i went and i couldn't have been more bored out of my mind oh really yes and it freaked me out and i was like okay well well i know i don't want to go into the healthcare profession i was like and this isn't really well, like what aspect of it? Like if somebody out there is like, oh, well, I was thinking about going to work at a wildlife refuge. What would you like warn them against? What was it that was like, no, not this. And you know what? Maybe it's like what I was doing, right? I was monitoring this um, endangered bird species. And okay. what I had to do is essentially I'd get up early, which I'm not a morning person. I'd go there and I'd count how many of the birds like flew in this habitat we had created for them. How many flew out? And I had to be there for an hour just monitoring these birds and sitting there. Okay. And for me, I was, I'm a hyper person. I was like, this is, I'm up real early to just sit and watch a bird. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I uh, was like, woof, th- this might not be for me. And then went back my sophomore year and was like, okay, what's more my speed? And then I knew I loved to travel. I knew I loved interacting with people. And so I ended up going for international business and then got a minor in Spanish. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, like, your experience with that. Like, I was I was interested in marine bio, biology for a while. Yeah. And um, I took this, uh, you know, I got scuba certified. And I took, like, another scuba class after that, like, an advanced one. And um, there was a marine biologist that like came to like one of the classes and talked about like how he uses scuba and like what does his day-to-day look like and he started talking about like 
how a lot of his research can sometimes be like counting kelp in like kelp fields or like like it just is yeah. like his he kind of like gave you the unromantic side of it is like this is what marine biology can be like sometimes it's literally like you're just counting kelp or you're just right yeah you're just going over an area and you're just counting you know whatever it is and he's it, like it's not always like glamorous yeah it's not always super sexy and it could be monotonous as hell yeah and <laughs> yeah. i was like huh that and then he was like yeah and even if you get into it he's like you're kind of like you kind of got to know the right person like just because you are a marine biologist, it doesn't mean that you're going to all of a sudden be on a team that's getting funded heavily and like you right. might be just broke. I was yes. like, I don't like that. <laughs> no, and you know what's so funny is that was part of my decision to change too because people are like, well, if you're not going to the medical field, being biology, it's not glamorous and it's, it has a lot to do with funding. So you really have to sell yourself and do a lot of research and yeah, all these different things. And I was just like, I find the science so fascinating, but I don't know if I want to be chasing funding 24-7. Right. Yeah, that's how I was. I was just like, I don't want to live like that, you know? Right. If I'm going to, like, put all this time to, like, learn all this stuff, like, I want to know I have a paycheck, you know? Right. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm. did you, were you able to just, like, hammer out the, the major and the minor in, like, four or five years? Four years, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. You still worked in some time for partying and stuff? Yeah, you know. Still still no circumstances where you were like in hot water? Well, of course. It's oh. college, but I'm not going to share that on public podcasts. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's up to you. I, uh, maybe maybe your return or something. We can dive into those details. But There you go. Um. Okay, so from there, did you like jump right? Well, okay. You studied abroad for a bit while you were in college. Yes. So talk about that experience. Why did you choose to go to Spain? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I guess it has to do with your minor, but like, how did all that go through? I mean, so being an international business major, you have to study abroad, Mm -hmm. which, okay, twist my arm. (laughs) Oh, darn. Oh, shoot. Okay, I have to go abroad. Um, And so obviously because of my Spanish minor, I wanted to go somewhere with a Spanish-speaking country. Um, and I had already been to Central America before, but I had never had a chance to go to Europe. And so that kind of made Spain the obvious choice for me. And yeah, it was really incredible. I went on with a group. No one else was from Washington state. So I ended up going and knowing I wasn't going to know anybody there. Hmm. I had people from, you know, Delaware, New York, Florida, all over the United States, essentially in my program, there were like 20 kids. Um, I remember being a little nervous going on, like going to the airport and being like, okay, like, and I had done something similar before when I was in high school and taking Spanish. I went to Costa Rica with a, like a, a group of kids from all around the States. And again, nobody was from Washington. Hmm. And so it was, Similar vibes, but that was only for a week. You know, this was for four months. Yeah. And so I was a little nervous. And as I'm, you know, approaching TSA and kind of like getting my wits about me, like, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. As I'm checking in, I see this girl hugging her mom and she's like, I'm going to miss you so much. I can't believe you're gone for four months. I'm like, what? And I like lean over and look at her and I was like, where are you going? She goes, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to Sevilla. And I was like, I'm going to Sevilla. No way. And she ended up being in my program. So, yeah, that was really cool. We ended up talking. We obviously had the same layover. And then, um, yeah, it was – that was a really cool start to the trip. 
Yeah, that is. So you kind of like had a friend like right out of the gate. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. Right out of the gate. But then it was crazy because our program essentially divided us up. So we didn't know who we were going to stay with. But like part of the program was you had to stay with a host family or host parent. And um, so her and I met and great connection right off the bat. Um, but, you know, ended up not living together. I got paired up with a gal from New York and then a gal from Delaware. And uh, we were with this woman who she had to be in her 80s. Um, single woman had this little teeny tiny like pom pom dog. But she was the most fashionable, like, happening woman I've ever met. Like, she was so popular. Every night, you know, we'd stay in – not every night we'd stay in study. But, you know, when we were even staying in study, she'd be like, all right, ladies, I'm going out. And she'd have beautiful scarves on, and she'd be gone until, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. She's a busy lady. She's a busy lady. She's got stuff to do. She's got a lot of friends. (laughs) She's out on the town. She has to be seen, you know, so – getting all done up like that she's gotta let people know you absolutely know? good for her yeah yeah so yeah what, what was the like preparation for that kind of trip what, like does the school invest very much and like giving you a curriculum of like seek to do this while you're there and do this and make sure you're like or is it pretty yeah that's such a good question in terms of schooling, right, my counselors back at WSU were like, these are the types of credits you need to fulfill. These are the courses while you're abroad that could fill them. Um, one was, like, I needed an art slash history credit of some kind. And so while I was abroad, I ended up taking an architecture class in Spain. Mm-hmm. And that actually became, like, I'm usually not into architecture at all. That became my number one favorite class while I was there. Yeah. Because... We, for our, our lesson, we would go out and the teacher would literally take us to the cathedral or take us to this building and we'll point out the pieces and say, hey, this is from this era. This is how you know. Mm-hmm. And our final literally was he took us to the cathedral and he'd point. He goes, what era is that from? How do you know? And then that was it. We had like 10 questions on our final. It was just him pointing to this place and us walking around. But wait was it like a final is like a group or would he like ask each person one by one no 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 no. it was as a group so we all had our our papers our clipboards and then he'd point and say hey okay what about this oh but and again one of my favorite classes to this day wish i could retain all the information i learned but i will say what is crazy is this guy he didn't like big classrooms and i guess everyone in our program needed an art credit or history or whatever it was fulfilling and so the majority of our program signed up for it and on the Mm -hmm. first day we get into class he passed out papers and he goes okay we're taking a quiz if you fail this quiz you're probably gonna fail this course you probably shouldn't be in here and none of us knew anything about architecture or spanish architecture and we're like okay crap he passes it out of course none of us pass any of it next day we come into class and half of the people had dropped Oh, oh man uh-huh half of the people had dropped i stayed because i was like i i have to get this art credit in order to graduate college i need it so i might as well just stay and like figure it out and he comes in the second day and he's like perfect this is the number i wanted he's like that was a bunch of bullshit like i just wanted to get the like the numbers down we're gonna have a great se- like great semester oh my gosh <laughs> what a savage i know and people were so pissed afterwards like when they found out about it but they're like whatever he's an idiot but he i mean he got what he wanted that's hilarious yeah but that's awesome i mean that's that's cool i'm curious what so what um 
what area of Spain was this around? I kind of wanted to like look it up. Yeah, so it's in Andalusia, but look up Sevilla, Spain. Like that? No, so S E V I L L A. Oh. Or Seville. Yeah, perfect. So it's southern Spain, hot as Hades down there. Yeah, that picture you're looking at right now was in, uh, it's like one of their number one monuments, and it was used in one of the Star Wars movies. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good little fact off the top of the head. And Well, you know, four months there. What was also cool, one of the other lesser known monuments is they have a bar there, and it's an American, like, uh, themed bar, and they have a shot for every state. Oh, really? Yeah. And what was Washington's? It was some apple shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I guess it isn't that like the, like the apple state or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. We're, okay. We're known for our apples, I guess. Yeah. Wow, it's beautiful there. Did you get to spend quite a bit of time like on your when you're kind of off from school and whatnot to just go venture around? Oh yeah. Well, and this is what was so cool. Like my international business professor, first day he's a Scottish guy. First mm. day he goes listen, you're here in a foreign country to learn about international business. He goes, I could lecture you all day long. He goes, but you're going to learn so much more going out there than you'll ever learn from me. Mm-hmm. He goes, so if you ever want to go to a different country while you're here, just tell me and I'll give you like an excused absence. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was amazing. And he had one of the craziest stories I've ever heard, but he was really incredible. And he just, for him, he was like, experiences are going to teach you so much more and so that was kind of his ethos did you like save any of the contacts from people that you met there uh we all are still a lot of us are still connected on instagram but i don't really chat with too many of them anymore Hmm. but oddly enough or super cool two of the people i think just got married this summer who met in the program oh really that's cool yeah so did when you were over there, were you mostly just kind of staying connected with the people in the program or were you like getting to know people that were like local to that area as well? Uh, both. I think it was, I wouldn't necessarily say as much local, but we were learned, like meeting a bunch of other people who weren't in our program. And I would say a lot of people who were in our program kind of stuck together, but the gal from Delaware and I got really lucky because our New York roommate wasn't part of our program. Mm-hmm. And so she was kind of forced to meet other students from around everywhere. And so she'd go out to parties or she'd go out places and she was super bold woman. And she was like, come with me. I remember one night we, <laughs> we were heading to this rooftop party that she mm-hmm. heard about and we're walking in the streets. It's like 11 PM at night. And these two Irish dudes are just walking in the street, too, and they're singing, and they have their beer, and they're just going to town like, hey, you guys want a beer? And we're like, I don't know if that's, like, legal to drink in the streets, like, maybe later, and they're like, what? They're like, but it's beer. Like, ah, screw the police. And they, like, cheers their beer and just start chugging it going to town. (laughs) This was probably the first week while we were there, and they ended up becoming, like, our best friends. Oh, really? Yeah, they were hilarious dudes. That's all, do you still like do you still have any like contact with them? No. Ah, oh, dang. I know. You have to like go back there and like go down that street and just be like, where are those drunks? <laughs> where are the drunk Irishmen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll yes. take that beer now. Did you get to check out any other countries while you were there? 
Yeah, I went to Italy and I traveled to Italy by myself. Um, went to Bologna while I was there, Florence and uh, Milan. And then met a friend who was studying abroad in Ireland over like right before Christmas time. And those were, oh, and Belgium. I went to Belgium oh, as wow. well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you get to see any kind of like cool cultural experiences that you don't think maybe other people would like know about or consider unless they're local to there? Or? Yeah, that's a good question. And the vi- the countries I visited? Yeah. Hmm. Or anything you learned about that you're like, oh, that's something that probably people back in the States don't really know about that's a big deal here or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, little tiny detail in Italy. I didn't realize how like aggressive drivers could be so i was like hanging with um a couple i'd met at the hostel i was staying at and we were trying to cross the road right Mm -hmm. and i just kind of kept sitting there waiting for somebody to stop for us and like girl you're not gonna be able to cross the street unless you just start walking and so i had to learn to just step into the street and hope that they stopped for me and i don't know if that's everywhere in italy but when i was there 100 percent i wasn't gonna be able to cross the street unless i just went for it Jeez. Yeah. So you just like took these strangers' advice and like, I'm going to step out on the street right now. Well, it was seeming pretty legit because literally they kept zooming by me and I'd try to make eye contact with people like, I'm, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. And they just wouldn't let me. And so, yeah, until I like started walking, then they would stop. I mean, I probably should do a disclaimer. You know, try to be safe out there, people. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe make sure that they're looking if you're going to Italy. Who knows? That could have just been my experience. But that was like definitely a weird thing where I was like, this is not how it is in Washington State. Like, yeah, if I look at people, they'll stop for me and that I could walk. That is true. I mean, it is like if like you're in tra- like at a stop and you look at somebody they will come to a stop right if they make eye contact with you yeah i mean maybe they'll try to like not make eye contact so they can keep going but yeah if they make eye contact usually they're gonna stop right yeah yeah so that's interesting i know well and then like i think the biggest shock for my parents when we were in spain was just the difference of service Hmm. because in italy and in spain and i feel like in a lot of european countries having dinner is an event so oh. the servers don't want to bother you right so you could sit there for two hours on end just sipping your coffee or just having your wine and having like a tiny meal and no server will come up to you because it's considered rude right oh. they don't want to like interrupt this event that you're having and here my parents come who aren't used to that and they're sitting there and you know they went out to a lunch without me at one point and they came back and they were like they were so rude like they didn't come refill our water once like they didn't ask if we needed anything we had to ask them for the bill like you know and usually it feels wrong or rude to like gesture at the waiter say hey like i need the bill and my parents like it was just so weird and they just never helped us and i was like oh yeah it's not because they're being mean that's just like how it is over here yeah just a cultural difference that's totally i guess here yeah they kind of there is like a, a process that goes through, you know? Yeah. Cause they, especially waiters here too, they want to be tipped. Right. Yeah. And they want to make sure they're always helping you out. And I feel like, especially the United States versus Southern Spain, we are way faster paced here. Mm. And so I could see that in like the restaurant culture too, where it's like moving, moving, moving. And in yeah. Spain, it's again, just very chill. Just you're here to enjoy the ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you need anything. Right. Like, okay. 
That's cool. Did you try anything like that was really good over there? That's like a not a typical meal here. I had shark. Oh, okay. That was good. Interesting. Was How was it prepared? They had grilled it and they doused it in olive oil, mm. and it was so good. What did it? Was it pretty like? I don't know. What did it taste like? I don't Oh, gosh. It was so long ago. I just remember because at this point it was with so many people from our group. There had to be like 15 of us all sitting at a table mm-hmm. and we're all ordering stuff for the table. And two of us were like, you guys, we got to get the shark. Come on. It's like weird. It's different. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's so weird. We ended, eventually ended up getting it. I can't remember how it tasted. I just remember everybody was shocked and I was like, oh, yeah, no, that was that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So then from like from that, so was it like your parents came and uh, visited you like right at the end, basically? Yeah. My program was over. My two roommates had already moved out. I was the last to to leave because everyone was flying home. Um, And yeah, that's when we had the the airport pickup experience. But I feel like I kind of redeemed myself because I got a really awesome Airbnb that was right next to the cathedral oh wow yeah so That's it, was, awesome. it was really cool view and the people who owned the airbnb were incredible and uh yeah then we just we stayed there for a few days we went out to the countryside visited barcelona and then ended in madrid mm. if there's like a few big like do's and a few big don'ts you had to offer to anybody that was going to go visit southern spain like like even if do's are like oh like go be sure like you got to check this out or experience this and like Mm -hmm. be sure you do not do this or avoid that like what do you have in that regard oh my gosh well definitely visit sevilla obviously i'm biased oh yeah i guess southern spain that's an obvious given go in the cathedral i'm a very talkative person i went in the cathedral and it was just ginormous and absolutely beautiful and i couldn't talk i was just sitting there in awe yeah like i mean for how long ago they built that how long it took and the tools they had and to sit in there and see how perfect it was and ginormous it was incredible so definitely go to the cathedral if you can find it i don't i don't know if other bars had it but agua de sevilla Mm. was this alcoholic beverage that was so good it was yellow and it had whipped cream on it and i don't know what was in it they put cinnamon (laughs) on top but it was so good yeah and i wish i could find it again but i have no idea i don't know where else i could find it but that churros con chocolate so good what would i not do in spain in southern spain or is there anything that's just like a like a social like you know, we're, you might be arrogant, like here, like we just might naturally be aside from the kind of, uh, I guess like waiter ex- experience, yeah. but like anything else that you're like, that would be a tendency for somebody from the States visiting that you're like, dude, don't do that there. It doesn't fly or. Yeah. I, th- I don't know if people from Spain would consider it rude, but like I said, a lot slower pace, especially down in the South. Mm-hmm. I'd find myself a lot on the sidewalks trying to walk really fast and try to get around people. And everyone's very just chill on the sidewalks too. And I could see myself being as like an abrasive American be like, I need to get here and I need to get here stat. And they're like, chill dude. It's yeah. okay. Or even stores opening, they say that open at 9am and some days they just decided they want to open at 930 I was like, what is happening? Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a little bit more laid back it's there. So, yeah. And and for the 
from what I gathered when I was there, it was, you know, they care about enjoying life and not always, like, focusing the majority on the business. Again, don't come at me. If there's Spanish people listening, I could be wrong. But this is what I got from like, it. Hey, we, are, we work hard over here. <laughs> no, 100%. 100%. I'm just saying I know the pace is, like, slow over there from what I gathered when I was there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, um... So you came back from that, and then was that pretty much like towards the end of your program? Yeah, yeah. So came back and then had my senior year in college, um, back at WCU. I just wrapped it up and wrapped graduated, and yep. And then from there, what did you take any time to just like take a year off, or did you jump right into a career? No, I jumped right into it. I had I got an internship with Eddie Bauer right after school. Did the internship, and then after the internship, got hired on with them. Mm. So, yeah, jumped right into it. And what were you doing for them? I was doing recruiting. So I was marketing intern, had a really awesome experience where we were part of this program where we were competing against a design team. <laughs> Go figure now that I'm in design. but mm-hmm. um, And we presented our, essentially, ideas to the entire company at the end of it. And oh, we did it cool. in this movie theater. It was insane. It was, Whoa. Yeah. It was really fun. Really incredible experience. And then, yeah, after that, got a recruiting job with them. Is Eddie Bauer located up in Washington? Yeah, they're in Seattle. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, Bellevue, Washington, but right next to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's like where Eddie Bauer headquarters is at. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. There you go. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I'm guessing you got a lot of, a lot of Eddie Bauer merch. Oh, man. There. Yeah. And it's so funny seeing people come out of the woodwork, too, because when I first started Eddie Bauer, I, I thought more of like a mom and like a older generation brand. Mm-hmm. And I had so many friends who were like, you work for Eddie Bauer? Like, can I get your 50 percent discount? Like, I, I, you know, I've been looking for a new jacket and I just saw this really cool puffy there. I was like, wow. OK, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Me and a buddy were actually talking about that not long ago, like how it. Like Eddie Bauer has some like sick clearance sales where they move some like really, really quality stuff at a great price. And then we were just talking about like how it's crazy that a brand can sell stuff to people that is like so like it's like within reach and it's quality. But then like there's there's like people that are like summiting mountains wearing Eddie Bauer gear, too. Yeah. You know, like they just have quite a range of equipment. Totally. I mean. And, you know, they had military stuff for a while. I think they were one of the first companies to, like, outfit parts of the military. But then, yeah, their first descent line yeah. was insane. They had, when I was working there, two women were trying to, I can't remember what it's called, like, 50 Peaks, where they're trying to summit the tallest peak in each state. Mm. And they were trying to do it the fastest out of anybody. Oh, that's cool. And it was so cool. And they were sponsored by Eddie Bauer and... I got to meet one of them. That's cool. Yeah, they're badass. Dang. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so from there, um, I guess how long were you were you at Eddie Bauer? Overall? I was only yeah, I was only there what was it, nine months because I was a contract. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then so by the end of that you're like you're like twenty three or so, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, definitely uh it had to be twenty two or twenty three. Oh, okay. And then ended up going into a recruiting position down in Portland, back back to the hometown area. Mm, okay. Yeah. 
And then, and what did, like, what did, I guess, was recruiting, I like, an ideal for you, or was it just kind of what you fell into? Is a little bit of what I fell into, but for me, I was like, I love talking to people. I love getting to know people, hearing their stories. And so I thought recruiting was going to be my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It's like, let get me on a phone with somebody. Let's go. Let's talk, you know? And what does, like, a, I don't know, I, I've never really, like, I've had a few friends that are recruiters, but I don't know, like, what a day-to-day for a recruiter looks like. Like, what is a successful, like, all right, it's one in the books. Like, what does that look like? Do you guys reach out or do people reach out to you? A bit of both. Uh, Internally. So I work for a brand and then an agency. It's a lot of you reaching out. Okay. So it's, you know, a big chunk of your job is mining candidates finding people online so linkedin huge so if you're a job seeker definitely go on linkedin i promise we use it uh or recruiters use it um indeed would go through a lot and you just try to find as many candidates that fit the description as possible and then just reach out to them on whatever platform it was and then you know the rest of it's interviewing and then scheduling interviews with other people because usually recruiters are that first line where you're getting to know somebody figuring out if they're a good fit and then it's passing them off to the hiring manager, right? To see, mm. so they can really see if they want them on their team. Gotcha. Does, do recruiters typically like, is it, I guess, is it like you're just searching keywords to find someone that aligns with the brand you're representing? Yeah. Keywords. And then, you know, if it's a local position, you usually sometimes we'll look for, you know, people in that area cause they're more likely to want to work in that space. But yeah, biggest advice i always give to all my friends who are searching for jobs is like fill your resume fill your linkedin with keywords as much as possible yeah because that's what's getting you to pop up in front of that recruiter gotcha yeah i've heard that that um somebody was telling me that like a certain brand like they they don't even really like like your resume application won't even really make it through the whole process unless it like has so many keywords loaded in it you know right Well, and that's the thing, too, applying online, right? Because I'd be searching for these people. But people who apply, now that there's softwares where when you apply, it will, yeah, mine your resume for the words that we're looking for and bring those to the top of the list just to make the recruiter's job a little bit easier. Would you say that there is, like, um, are there, like, are there just, like, guarantee, like, just some, like, hitter keywords? Some, like, oh, like, any essential, like, decent resume has got to have, like, these three keywords in it. No, I would not say that at all. Oh, really? Yeah, because usually these keywords that we're looking for are very specific to the job. Uh, okay. So anybody who's using buzzwords that yep. could be very general and specific across all platforms, right, mm-hmm. are usually actually not what we're looking for, or, like, soft skills, where they're saying, I'm a great communicator. Mm, I'm a self-starter. Right. Time the, management is my thing. If, yeah, because it's kind of like, I mean, time management might be on there a little bit. But, yeah, if you're saying, I'm a great communicator, first off, that's your opinion. <laughs> you know, who knows if you're a good communicator. Second off, like, is it written communication? Is it verbal communication? And then on top of it there's usually just so many other skills and we can sort through if you're a good communicator when we're chatting with you on the phone, you know? Gotcha. So uh, keywords come down to like objective truths about you. About, but mostly about the job. Like what I would say is if there's a position that you're pining for Mm -hmm. and it's with a company that you absolutely love, 
what I would do is I'd fill your resume with keywords from their about themselves page or like when you do your cover letter, talk about their core values, right? Like show oh, that you did the research. Nice. Show like they're talking about their manifesto or maybe like history about their company or something that they did two years ago that they're proud of. Like maybe highlight that in the cover letter, show that you're really intrigued by them. Like that shows that you're really interested. But then on your resume, look at the job description that they posted and literally pull words from that job description because those are the words that they're searching for. Those are great insights, Alex. Yeah. That's, yeah, this is some good little nuggets. There you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to say, yeah, like, yeah, those are good insights. No, they <laughs> are. You should be proud of them. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't think that anyone necessarily thinks to bake their resume in that way. Like, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty that do, but I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are like, I'm just going to write this for me and I'm going to send it out there and who bites, bites, you know? And, yeah. You know? And, no, and I get where it's, you can't, you don't have, time to tailor every resume for every job description so I, I could see that but also you know recruiters just for a living they can kind of sniff out yeah this person's interested this person's not and if you really are stoked about a position seriously like 100 percent tailor your resume yeah i guess if you're if you're hiring for like a, a decent six-figure role and you hire the wrong dude it's kind of like hey alex why the hell did you hire this guy yeah like why did you why did you even like get him through the process this guy's terrible right something. yeah i mean and that's the and it's so crazy you know my first job recruiting at eddie bauer was store manager so you know not the the crazy executives but my second job in recruiting i was working for an executive hiring firm and i wasn't actually a recruiter i was more of the person who's finding the candidates and the recruiters were the ones interviewing but mm -hmm. yeah you know there's a lot of not necessarily pressure but you know you're trying to find someone who has huge influence over a company and you want to get it right yeah yeah is it is there any like with what like kind of area you were hiring for in the business was there any kind of particular like oh you're gonna hire for people in marketing and sales departments or like oh you're gonna hire for this or that or just i don't know yeah so the company i worked for the second time around the executive hiring firm they're incredible one of my favorite companies i've ever worked for but they focus on um athletic and sportswear companies healthy food and bev and their sweet spot was always finance hr marketing and sales okay so it was like the kind of the key hitters we would search for a lot of the the positions in the higher ups the ones that we usually generally stay away from were it because mm -hmm. that's just its own beast so we yeah. never really touch those but everything else we usually take on hmm. yeah. okay so can somebody still like would you say that somebody could beef the resume enough that like even though that they don't necessarily have the um the credentials i guess to like take on something specific but they do kind of fill the i don't know i guess kind of like the profile of what the company would like on their team is there a way to like beef the resume enough to where it's like all right you're not super qualified for this but we're intrigued you know like yeah i mm, i would say at the executive level it's a little harder Okay, but for like entry level, maybe like entry level sales or finance or something, like a recruiter yeah. still might be like, all right, like we'll still reach out. Yeah, I mean, I think entry level, entry level is tough anyway. I think entry level positions can sometimes be the hardest to get in because they say, 
all right, this is an entry-level position. We want five years of experience here. Yeah. You know? And so sometimes you don't have the background that's specifically on the job description, but you could be a great fit. Mm-hmm. And so for those, yeah, it's you just want to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Use the keywords that you can. Obviously, never lie on your resume because your recruiter will find out. <laughs> I mean, you can try. I'm just saying, like, I've seen people try to. What's like the worst lie you've ever like? Did you ever see one that you're like, that's a that's wild. You know, I'm sure I, I'm sure I did. It just uh, I have a terrible memory, so they don't stand out much anymore. <laughs> but it was more just to. Just just seeing people try to say something, you're like, this guy or this gal was. Mm-hmm. They thought that they were pulling a fast one on me. And the whole time I'm just sitting here like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Okay. Now that makes sense. But yeah, entry level, I say, you know, use the keywords. You Use numbers. Recruiters love to see that. So like, as opposed to just saying a general job responsibility, putting a result because of something that you did and using the stats behind it is always great. Mm. Yeah. Like you know like are you saying like i increased like revenue by this much because i did this or something like like that yeah okay gotcha yeah yeah so like for my position now right it could be oh i i designed consumer and dealer emails that would be like the job description but a good results one could be i edited and redesigned dealer emails which saw a spike of this many percentage of opens or click-through rates right Mm -hmm. so showing a direct result of something that you did as opposed to gotcha yeah no that's good insights because i feel like i've especially as we've kind of um seen this like uptick in remote working you know a lot of people are now kind of like i feel i feel like i'm talking to more and more people that yearn for that they're like well that's really cool i wish i worked in a kind of career where that was possible like i'm interested in getting into sales or marketing or something like that or accounting or finance whatever but i don't i just i want to get my foot in the door and i you know i usually i tell people like just try it like i don't know how i know there's opportunities like there's so many brands out there that have realized the importance of having a web presence of some kind and they're just like kind of investing in their brand and and that kind of force a lot more you know people that can like make sure they're going to make good financial decisions and they're going to make good marketing choices throughout the next you know however many years because it matters you know like yeah. The world is getting very competitive in a lot of ways, especially with some international competitors that are out there, you know? So right. I think brands are realizing that and are sprucing up teams. And I think there's a lot of entry level opportunities, but I don't know how to like tell people like this is what will speak to a recruiter. So, I mean, I'm glad that you said those things because yeah. that is, that's great insights. Well, and two, if you're, if you're doing a career switch, the number the couple things I highly recommend, there's so many free resources online. I mean, heck, I don't, I'm a graphic designer now. Obviously, after talking, I didn't go to school for graphic design, but I use the resources that were available to me to train myself and then do a bunch of different informational interviews. You know, mm-hmm. go on LinkedIn and if there's a company that you're stoked about and you're excited about marketing, but you're in finance, ask somebody from the marketing team on LinkedIn. I mean, who knows if they'll, accept it but just say hey i'd love to take you out for coffee i want to ask you questions to Mm -hmm. know like what's important for me to know to get my foot in the door to make this potentially a career for me and it could be hard but 
Yeah. You know, then you have a connection and you learn from an insider what you need to do. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I, I use LinkedIn and it's, it's cool to use it um, just to see what other brands are excited about or, I mean, I, I know that it's really beneficial for like looking, looking for um, any kind of opportunities, you know, with, with new brands, but it's crazy the connections that you can make with some big brands for free. Like you were saying, like yes. somebody that you could feasibly reach out to and be like, Hey, I'm curious, like, how could I get my foot in the door to come do this at a brand like the one that you're at? And you'd be surprised, like who might respond and be wanted to give you some advice you know totally i mean what does it hurt right right yeah even even if it's like you just go on a rampage of like a canned response like hey i'm really interested at insert nike insert adidas like you know and like you just like yeah at least to just see like who who responds and you know who who might you be able to like learn more about the industry from or whatever it is yeah but no that's a good point there's a lot of free online resources Totally. But yeah, that's, that's cool. So, okay. So by now we're at your, the executive recruiting firm that you're with and whatnot from the, how long were you there? Oh man, I was there. I was there for a total. How many years would that be? Four years, five years. I was there for four years. I I might be doing my math wrong. I was there for four years. And then at the end of the four years, realized recruiting wasn't for me. And that's oh. when I went off on my grand travel adventure. And then I came back and worked for them for a little bit. But Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So okay, so that came to an end. And then you went on a, your grand travel adventure. Yeah. What did that look like? And how did you decide like what it was going to be? It was so funny because, again, like I said, I loved the company. That executive recruiting firm. Are, they're incredible but it was this thing where I was like I've been here for four years and I don't like recruiting what do I need to do yeah and at the same time I had a friend who was in finance who was saying the same thing she goes I cannot stand I want a more creative outlet I want to do something creative with my career I can't stand this and we both I don't know how we land on it but we both had a night where we had like wine and we just chilled and we're like we need to go to Thailand like we need to go to Southeast Asia. That's where we're gonna we're gonna quit our jobs and we're gonna go to Thailand. And uh, yeah, that's what we. The initial plan was to be gone for two years. So we were gonna travel Southeast Asia, go to Australia for like five months, work on a farm to build up our our finances again, and then we were gonna try to hit up Europe. Um, but yeah, wine, man. And then I'll just so did the like the genuine like yearning for a plan to go through with a plan like this that came about from that from that evening yeah i mean her and i really think the same and we just get stoked off of each other's energy and i think it was something where it's like we know both of our careers aren't right for us we don't know what we want to do yet but we know we love travel and adventure and we've heard of so many people around our age because at that point we were 24 or 25 i think we were 25 and saying like we need to like people are doing this people are going there and thailand is cheap southeast asia is cheap like we could totally do this and the more we researched the more we realized how much of a reality it was mm. i think two months later a month later we bought our tickets dang yeah. that was a quick turnaround yeah so 
what so what did you commit to when you did buy your tickets did you buy just one way and then we're gonna okay yeah definitely one way and then just figure it out from there yeah because we thought we were gonna be gone for two months or sorry two months two years and so we're like there's no reason because we don't know what country we'll be coming back from so Mm -hmm. we bought our one way we were um and we essentially we knew we were gonna be in thailand for two months and that's the only planning we had had at that point what did uh like what did mom and dad have to say about this oh man well at this point i've always had a travel bug you know coming back from spain they knew it okay they're like this girl she just always wants to like she loves being out on international land um (laughs) that was a weird way to say it but uh yeah mom never loves when i leave i don't think dad does either dad doesn't love it because he just misses me Mom mm. misses me, but, you know, moms. And I'm only a child. She gets very worried for me. Yeah. Very worried. And, you know, I'm a pretty talkative, outgoing person who likes to meet new people. I think she always is just worried that I'm going to... Talk to the wrong one. Totally. Absolutely. I think she's just convinced that I'm going to talk to somebody, trust somebody, and get kidnapped. So whenever I grow abroad, she's not in love with the idea. But she did love that I was going to be with a friend and not solo traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, um, I guess, how did it all unfold? Oh, man. Well, yeah, I got to Thailand and stayed in a hostel the first night. It was like monsoon rain, but absolutely incredible. I mean, it's so hard to wrap up. It's so hard to wrap up a whole journey, right, into just like one little package, but... um, yeah, just met so many cool people. That was Bangkok. Then we went up north to Chiang Mai. Then we went to Pai, which is like this teeny tiny village just north of Chiang Mai. And if you guys are ever planning to go to Thailand and you ever want to stay in a hostel, you have to go to Pai and you have to stay in Nolo Hostel. It's like three stories high. It's owned by this Aussie dude. And he is the coolest guy, most down-to-earth guy. But... He, it's incredible. I mean, you go up north in in Thailand, and everybody's talking about this hostel, and they're saying you have to stay there. It's completely booked out usually, so you have to book it a little bit in advance. But he does these events where every single day he has something going on during the day, an activity of some kind. So whether it's going out on motorcycles to like this beautiful viewpoint, or it's going through caves in a boat, or it's you know eating with a bunch of locals in the village. And then at night, he always has something going on, whether it's trivia night or he does like a gender bender where every, like all the dudes dress up like gals and all the gals dress up like dudes. Like it's but every night he has something and it's absolutely incredible. And one of my favorite moments while we were there is we were there during Thanksgiving and it was our first. Well, we were there during Halloween, too, but this was our first like big family holiday where we were away from our parents. Mm-hmm. And so it was super cool because we talked to the owner. And we're like, hey you know, we really want to do a Thanksgiving. He's like, we've never done that before, you know, American holiday, but yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. So he took us out to the market and we got all of these different vegetables that somehow could be made into our traditional Thanksgiving meal. And then he told everyone, he goes, if you want to come to Thanksgiving dinner, go out to the market and buy something to share with everybody. And so all these people from all around the world, you have like Aussies, you have people from, you know, China, you have people from England, coming in bringing all these random foods sending them out on this table and then we're jamming to music or listening to it and at one point we all went around the table and said what we were thankful for Uh and it was 
the coolest moment ever because so many people were like, I've never experienced Thanksgiving. I had no idea what this was. Or like they knew what it was, but like, you know, we've never celebrated Thanksgiving. And I'm just so thankful that I get to be here with you guys. That's cool. It was was an incredible experience. That's awesome. So how many people roughly was it that were were there? At the, uh, I mean, probably like 25. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a big hostel. Yeah. You know? Um, and everyone's always just stoked to participate in something because hostel life is you literally maybe they're there with one friend, but you just want to get to know everybody and everyone's usually around somewhat your age. Right. So, mm-hmm. but it, it was a really cool moment. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, um, did you stay in Python for a while? Yeah. We were only supposed to stay for three days and we ended up staying for, I think 11. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What, what, like what, where from there did you guys go to? We went to the southern part of Thailand and went to the island. So the classic Thailand that you see pictures of all the time, right? Yeah. The beautiful beaches and... Those like little huts that go out over the water and stuff. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So we went there. We went, got our scuba certification at one of the islands. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I was actually like, I have a terrible time equalizing. So going under, like, it was so painful for me. Yeah, but you, my... like, wreck your eardrums. Oh, yeah. And I was trying to do everything under the sun to get them to, like, pop and not hurt. And it yeah. just was not – I almost even quit. But my friend's a fish, and she loves the water, and she was just killing it. Anyway, that was the first thing we did down there. But then um, every full moon, there's an island in Thailand that has a full moon party. And so on the beach, they have – just a line of DJs and live music and bars and the neon lights that go onto the water and onto the beach. And then there's a bunch of fire shows. And so then we went to that Island obviously for the, the full moon party. And then my friend and I actually ended up volunteering at one of the hostels. So we ended up being like the people who ran like the game nights or, you know, the parties or like the drinking games. And then yeah. also like cleaned up the beds in the morning. That's, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It's cool that you got involved in like yeah. in such a way. No, it's great because you know then you get free accommodation. You don't have to pay for that. Sometimes, yeah. depending on where you volunteer, you get like one meal or like a free drink. Um, but yeah, I mean it was awesome because it's a good way to get to know people too. Roughly, how much is it like costing you to stay a night at a hostel? It depends what country you're in. So Thailand, I Thailand was like three to five dollars usd a night okay vietnam was a dollar a night at some places wow i mean i stayed in a a hostel at vietnam that had three in-ground pools and it was a walking distance from the beach and it was a dollar a night whoa (laughs) yeah it was so like southeast asia is very very affordable but this last trip i i did i was in slovenia and that would be like 30 bucks a night so europe is usually more okay Still, that's not as bad as I think some might think. But right. dang, a dollar a night? Yes. Dang, Vietnam sounds cool. It was, oh, it was one of my favorite countries of all time. And that, you, I think you'd told me in the past, you like, you'd rode motorcycles or and such over there. Yeah, there's this really famous loop. It's called the Hajong Loop. It's in the north. And it's a three-day motorbike tour. Um, And it's in the mountains absolutely crazy and then you stay with homestays while you're doing it and my friend and i you know i grew up riding quads and i'd 
drove fat cats a couple times but i'm not but i'm not comfortable on a motorcycle and so it's the night before and we look at each other like should we do it like because you can either drive yourself or you get on the back of someone's bike but it's more expensive and they drive you through it Mm -hmm. we're like what should we do like do we think we could do it do we think we could do it and we like rode around the neighborhood in it we're like okay i think i think we can i think we can go on this motorbike tour like i think we got this um so decided to do that paid for just us solo driving it and the next day it was just pouring down rain we're like okay i mean and we did it how much was the motorbike tour roughly i can't remember i told you i have a terrible memory i can look it up and maybe you can put it in like the show notes or something well i was just curious is it like do you know if it's roughly like ten dollars or like a hundred dollars or no i that whole trip because you pay for everything lump sum right so you're paying for your bike you're paying for your home stays you're paying for your food because it's a three-day excursion oh sick yeah so i don't know specifically what this side bike gotcha yeah if if this stay is a dollar i'm sure it's not that crazy (laughs) expensive to get on a bike yeah i mean especially since you love riding bikes Oh, yeah. If you're ever in Vietnam, you have to do it. No, nah, you got me thinking about Vietnam now. You sh- but the roads are cr- like these winding roads are absolutely insane. They mm-hmm. go back and forth. And to be fair, the locals don't really care about you very much. Like I got hit by a truck when I was on my bike. What? Yeah. It was. I mean, I How'd was, that play out? It was. To- I mean, I was fine. But holy crap, I was freaked out beyond yeah. belief. Did they like sat like brush again like hit you from the side? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Gotcha. So we were on like an S curve, and I was following our whole group of people, and there had to be I'd say like eight nine people in our group. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle, but as I'm going around this curve, this semi truck starts to try to pass me, and he's passing me pretty fast. And remember, it's raining out, and I was like, "This guy is passing me on a blind corner. This is ridiculous." As he's passing me, another semi comes from the other direction. So the semi who's passing me pulls back in to miss the other semi that's on the outside and then scrapes against me. And so I didn't bruise or anything, but it just caught my poncho that I was wearing and like totally ripped it. And then my bike kind of went unstable and I just had to put my legs down and just stopped. But yeah, it was a little rattling, but uh, a little rattling, just a little rattling, but no so like there's no injury which was great it was just more of kind of like this guy swerved back in because he didn't want to get hit by this semi yeah Jeez. i know well i'm glad you i'm glad you made it out all right yeah thanks sheesh did um like is is there basically like a tour guide that's like at the lead of the at the head of the pack it's like all right this is where we're going now and do they speak english and everything and yeah tour guide at the front nobody at the back uh and they speak english sometimes not you know as fluently obviously as us but also hand gestures and things help and obviously just usually follow the leader and hey we're going to this homestead tonight yeah was there anyone in in your group that did did speak vietnamese or no oh okay yeah well hey if you guys are all in it together all (laughs) all unaware of of that language but that's cool i mean that sounds like fun yeah i mean and vietnam really is incredible beautiful country there's so many different parts of it yeah and you know also with the history between the states and vietnam i didn't know how we'd be received and everyone was so welcoming to us and so kind like all of the hostel owners were incredible like my friend and i got invited to one of the hostel owners four-year-old's birthday party 
Wow, that's cool. Did <laughs> you go? Absolutely, we went. <laughs> that's but awesome. It was really cool. But I mean, that's the thing. It was just, they were all so kind. It, it was an incredible country to visit. So were you um, just in Vietnam for three days or just in that part of Vietnam for three days? We were just in that part of Vietnam for three days. We were in Vietnam for two months as well. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So on from, was this the first place you stayed at? No, that was, that was one of the last places we stayed. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there anything that is like crazy? Did you get hit by any other cars or vehicles (laughs) or anything else in Vietnam? No, did not get hit by any other cars. Thank goodness. Um, there was, we, when we went to the birthday party, they, so in Vietnam, they make rice wine, which Mm -hmm. is like their own version of liquor. And, uh. We did consume a lot of that while okay. we were at this four-year-old's birthday party. And we had <laughs> – literally, the husbands just kept serving us. I think I had nine. Oh like, nine gosh. shots of the rice wine. I was like, you guys, I need to – because my friend and I were supposed to get on a bus at 9 p.m. that night. And you were like, we have to make our bus. We have to, like, get into town and make our bus. You guys need to stop serving us alcohol. They're like, no, one more. Just stay an extra night. It's fine. It's fine. And uh, we ended up getting pretty toasted and uh, <laughs> making it to our bus stop, thank goodness. But oh what was gosh. Well, what was even crazier is, I mean, they were so incredible and so funny. But, you know, we're finally kind of coming to you. We're getting a little sober on this, what, is it like a seven-hour bus ride? What would that be, nine, ten? Oh, geez. You guys get on a, like a long-term a, bus a ride? long, yeah. Would that be right? Because, what, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, maybe it was six hours because we got in around 4 a.m. to our next hostel. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, all the gates were locked and nobody was there shoot yeah so you know we had just we're sobering up we're at this hostel that's pitch black at 4 a.m and we're mm-hmm. like okay what do we do we ended up hopping the fence and sleeping on some lawn chair furniture until oh they my opened. gosh <laughs> that's awesome though oh it was crazy was that pretty much the pace that the other adults were were drinking this rice wine at this four-year-old's party like the husbands for sure okay. the wives not so much because they were kind of like hanging with the kids, right? Yeah, we got kids to watch. Right. Like maybe we should stay a little sober for these guys. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the husbands were, were having a good time. And I think they were just stoked that like guests were there hanging out too. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, so from, um, I guess is, uh, regarding Vietnam, is there anything else that you think is interesting to touch on? Any do's, don'ts? Do's or don'ts? I definitely, oh, I can't remember the city's name. It might be Phong Nha. There's this city that's like a city of caves. Oh, And every, like, they keep discovering new caves, but there's caves everywhere. So you just go out for a day and you can have an excursion through all these different caves. One of the caves we went to, there was a zip line into the water. Then you swam into this cave. And then you go through this crevice and you open up into like this mud bath area. Whoa. So cool. And then the next cave you go into is like Asia's largest dry cave. And they had just discovered it five years beforehand. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's it's breathtaking. I love caves though. But all of it's just so cool just to see all the different kinds in this little tiny area. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would highly recommend doing that. No, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So that's definitely a do. That's a do. I don't. Any kind of like uh, cultural like differences that weren't a don't like anything oh. you might do here that you're like don't do that there. I mean, of course, but again, or you know, I was probably doing them and I didn't even realize it. But I don't mm. know. Um, Sounds like the roads are sketchy there, like they were in Italy when you were there. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And everyone's on motorbikes, and they all kind of follow their own law of the road. Okay. So if you ever ride a motorbike in the city, you're just going to have to go with the flow of traffic and get used to it. Because, like, I would watch as a pedestrian for a while. I was like, I don't get how they're maneuvering through each other, but they're figuring it out. Wow. Yeah. There's no, like, hashed lines or anything. It's just kind of like No, there are hashed lines. And, you know, I wish I could, like, look back at it with more clarity. But I just remember, like, looking at me and, like, I don't know how they're figuring out the rules of the road because it feels like they're just kind of going off of intuition. (laughs) Probably is. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I Gosh, I wish I was more prepared with, like, things that you shouldn't do in vietnam because of course there are tons of them yeah i mean this is a thai thing and i think most people actually know this but in vietnam but when you visit a religious area you have to have your knees covered your shoulders covered Mm -hmm. so if you're gonna go visit always make sure you have clothing that's gonna cover your knees and your shoulders Mm. because trust me you don't want to miss those monuments because they're beautiful but also those countries can get very humid and hot so you want something that's like thinner so it's to a, okay. So it's to a point to where if you do violate that, they're like, you can't come on this tour or yeah, or you, you can't go into this monument. Gotcha. Absolutely. That's I I've never heard that, but that makes sense, and that's a good thing to know. Right. That'd be a bummer. Yeah, if you showed up and you just got your cute shorts on, uh-huh. you know, wearing a tank top, and they're like, yeah, you're not going on this tour. Like, <laughs> you're not getting I'm so comfortable, though. Right. Well, and it's not even like, sometimes you're not even trying to look cute. It's just hot in those countries yeah. sometimes. And so you're like, I'm dressing for the weather. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're not dressing for this location. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Later. You missed out. You played yourself. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Okay. Well, that that's a good tip. That's good to know. And that's it. I mean... I think that just goes to show that before you go somewhere, it's it's worthwhile to just do your research on yes. like what do you want your time there to look like, and maybe do some research into like what other people have like learned going through that, you know? Yeah, and I don't know if people are blog people; they like to to read blogs, but that's where I get a lot of my information. And a lot of bloggers will say, "I did not know this. Mm. I highly recommend that you do this going forward." Gotcha. Yeah. And do you like recommend like Reddit for learning stuff like that? Or is there like a particular blog or forum you? I'm so girly. So I do Pinterest. Like that's how I do all my stuff. But I'm sure Reddit has really good information. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. So what came after Vietnam? After Vietnam. Well, so this is when. Yeah. By now, by the time you're leaving and you're on your bus and you're drunk. (laughs) <laughs> um, how long have you been in, in Asia in general? Yeah, we had been there. That had to be like three and a half months in. Cause we had done like a short stint in Bali too. Okay. Yeah. And it was like halfway through our, our Vietnam bit. So the Hajan loop, the motorcycle tour that was after the drunk bus ride. 
Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that was kind of just hopping back. Because the, gotcha. the Hajan loop was towards the end um, of like my friend and my's trip together. And then we actually ended up separating. She went to Laos and I ended up teaching English in this like town in Vietnam. Very cool. Oh, it was incredible. I lived with two college students who were Vietnamese and then an Irish gal. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun. Wow. Yeah. That's and sick. It, yeah. Did you, did, oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was just curious. Did you already know that you were going to do that? Or were you like, maybe I'll go try and teach English somewhere and found that opportunity? I knew, because I do, I I love my friend. I also know I love to solo travel. You know, I got a taste of it when I went to Italy when I was in Spain. And so I was like, I got to do it in mm-hmm. Vietnam. Like, I want to try it. And I think that was just a sense of security was having a job where I had peers around me had money right and so that's all do and teaching english in vietnam was the the most successful way for me to make money so does it pay like pretty decent considering like if you get if you get training for it like if you take the courses i no, it's not decent money but it's like it will get you living there okay right so you'll get money but actually my job because i didn't have official training I worked for a private school and I just, I had my meals paid for me and my accommodation, which was incredible. Yeah. What more do you need? Exactly. I didn't really need much more. Mm -hmm. I just had the entertainment of all the people I was living with and. Yeah. You're going to four year old birthdays and (laughs) getting hit by trucks and stuff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Living the dream. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome though. That's cool. How old were the kids that you were helping to teach? They were kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. Very young. And do they, did like, do they have a basis of English at all, or is it like they don't really? Speak they had much? some. So this is what's crazy. At this point, my trip had gotten a little rattled because actually COVID had started hitting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was I was there in 2020, and um, right as I went to this school, they had actually told me that the school was going to shut down because of COVID. And so at first I didn't think I had a job. Anyway, it kind of opened back up, but when it opened back up, it was all virtual. So I was teaching these kindergartners who had some ideas of English, mm-hmm. English over a laptop. It was very interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. That is, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the the, <laughs> the car. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I don't even know if it picks up on the microphone. But yeah, it's this my neighbor. He's like he's had. This car alarm, it'll just go off randomly every few days or so. Yeah. And sometimes, oh, he got it quick. He got he figured yeah. it out. Sometimes it's like a it's like a one minute thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a ten minute thing. Oh my god. There was one time where it was like when it first started happening. I ha I usually have my bedroom window open and it just started going off and he's like it's like right there. And so it I like woke me up and yeah. I was like, What is going on? And I like ran out and like looked i was like i thought like is somebody stealing my car yeah i would think the same thing <laughs> and so i ran out there and like I, I realized it was a neighbor and i was like okay i'm sure he'll figure it out quick and no i went back to bed and i laid there and listened for it was probably like another good five minutes oh, of just going no. off and i was like please please let him like Wait, but wake this up always happens it's a consistent thing the, it's been going on for probably like the past five months Oh no! I know it's it's gotten to the point where I'm like, hey man, do you know what the part is? Like, I'll buy it for you. 
Do you need help figuring it out? I'll help you. I will help you. Let's figure this out. Let's figure it out so the rest of the community can get some sleep at night. For real. Oh, no. Anyway, so hopefully that doesn't happen again while we're recording. But um, anyhow, so teaching kids. Yeah. Did you like teaching in general? Like, had you ever thought of yourself? Well, I mean, we'll touch on what you teach now and stuff. But yeah. Do you like do you like teaching people stuff in general? I love teaching. Especially kids. I anyone, really. Yeah. I love teaching. I will say teaching uh that teaching scenario was difficult for me because okay. teaching little people with tiny attention spans over a computer and I don't like I like to see results. Like I like to help people. And so trying to keep their attention over a computer that was tough. Yeah. But yeah, in general I I love to teach people. Hmm. Yeah, no, that that seems pretty cool. When when pandemic was kicking off, well, for, okay. Also, I'm curious. Did you have like a boyfriend or anything at all while you were traveling? No, I didn't. No, I had a couple travel romances. Ooh. I know. <laughs> Look out! But no, no, uh, significant other, no boyfriend. Okay, gotcha. Just, yeah. I was just curious if there's somebody you're checking in with every, uh, you know, throughout this or... Oh, my gosh. That would be so stressful. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, like dang, I'd be rough for that fella. And, it, yeah, I mean, for you, too. But it, if the update is, well, I got hit by a truck today, I'd be like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. And um, so, pandemic's kicking off. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts? Are you pacing? Are you tracking to it very much? Or you're like, eh, I don't care. Well, it started like talks of it started when we were in Southern Vietnam and our two month stint was Southern to Northern. Or actually, maybe we were in the middle of it at that point. We heard about it, we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we were kept, we were like going around. We're like, okay, people are freaking out. Yeah. No big deal. And we keep going north, and the more north we go, the more masks we're seeing, right? Like, people wearing masks are like, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, and then, yeah, sure enough, like I said, the day my friend and I split, I get to the the school I was supposed to teach at, and like, yeah, school is completely closed. And at this point, from as far as we know, Vietnam had 16 cases, and then they were totally taken care of, and nobody had it. So I was, like, breaking out in... I think Italy was having its huge breakout. Oh, yeah. Vietnam was, from what they were saying, still completely fine. And so everything felt pretty normal. Like, we'd hear about it. And obviously, like, the virtual communication was like this. That's how you knew that COVID was still a thing. But, like, I would go out every day to the market. And some people were wearing masks. Some people weren't. But go out to the market and talk to locals and hang out. And it was kind of normal. I think when it started getting really crazy was... By this point, I had been, me and the Irish gal had been in this house for like two or three weeks now, maybe two. It probably was two weeks. So the locals kind of knew us. Mm-hmm. They like knew us as like the, the strange newbies, right? Gotcha. But um, this gal had come in from England, flew into Vietnam, and she had COVID. Well, she didn't tell everyone that she had been in Italy before when the breakout was happening. And then, so it just started spreading like wildfire and she lived in the town we were at. Oh, shoot. And I will say that's probably one of um, the craziest experiences I've had. Because honestly, I mean, like, I'm a white girl from Camus. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm i not 
uh, like sure i'm a woman but i'm really not a minority or of anything but being there during the breakout mm-hmm. everybody in the local community started looking at myself and the irish gal like we were the ones who brought it and people gotcha. started like avoiding us and that it was interesting because i'd never had that kind of experience before it was definitely like an eye-opener wow so, like what kind of treatment were you receiving that changed? Because at the markets, I couldn't speak Vietnamese, but the guys I lived with were teaching me some. So I could go out to the market and buy vegetables and say a couple words. And, you know, the women at the market and the men at the market would start to know me or smile at me or they'd be like, hey, come over here, buy my vegetables kind of thing. Um, Yeah, we'd start walking around during when the breakout was happening and and people really would just kind of turn away from us or not look at us and dang or start whispering, right? Dang, those sick white people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was a it was a good experience for us, right? Like yeah, so no. many people experienced this. This is the first time I ever did, but it was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is that would be really interesting. So, did things calm down in your time while you were there? Or did you take off? No, it got uh, worse. So. The Irish gal who's teaching, she was supposed to stay for a month. Or no, she's supposed to stay for another week. She left then like two days later, mm. flew back to home. I was supposed to teach for the rest of the month. I started freaking out because he started shutting down different towns within, or sorry, different sections of the town I was in. And you could just see it getting closer and closer. And I was like, I don't want to be... Stranded in Vietnam. Stranded in Vietnam. As really like the only person who speaks a ton of english here right Mm -hmm. and i'm the foreigner now and i don't know how the health system works there and i was just like i need to get out um and so i talked to my principal and she was really bummed but she was so understanding she's like i totally get it and so i ended up like getting out of the town quarantining in a hotel for three days and then getting a flight to australia which i thought would be safer Oh, dang. Yeah. Or like I thought I'd be like like farther away from it, you know, an island kind of far away from everybody. It'd be a little more chill there. Yeah. And, there, you know, people speak English and a little bit more the speed of America. So it's like more familiar to me. Well, I get there and then the next day they had announced, you know, if you fl- fly into Oz today, you have to quarantine for 12 days in a hotel. <sighs> so I got in by the skin of my teeth because if i got in the next day and had to pay for a hotel which when i've been living off of a dollar a night at and then not paying for accommodation at all because i was teaching at a school to now having to pay for an aussie hotel like it would have it would have broke me because i was a broke backpacker you know yeah um so i i got so lucky the day i got in but then it was crazy because i was in melbourne for two weeks and I walked in downtown, and it was a ghost town. And anybody who's been to Melbourne, they know it's usually hopping. It's crazy. It's like a young, vibrant city. And I walked like on the sidewalk right next to the water, and there was, I saw like three people total. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It was it was weird. So right away when you were there, were you like, I might have made a mistake, or were you just like, let's make the best of this? No, yeah, I I was so lucky because I knew somebody from Thailand. When, mm. Like when I first come to Thailand, I had met a guy from Oz who was an incredible friend, or just somebody that my friend and I would hang out with all the time. And we had I already planned to stay with him for a couple days, and so essentially a couple days turned into 
can I stay with you for like a couple of weeks till I figure out what's going on? Because I was going to be in Oz and then go work on a farm. But then, you know, the world kind of starts shutting down. And I was like, I don't know if I should work on a farm. Who knows if they're going to even have enough crops to, like, or if they're going to try to export. What if they have to like lay off a bunch of people? What if I have no money? And then at that time, you know, Trump is president and he was announcing that he was going to close the borders to everybody, even mm. Americans. And so it kind of got to this thing of, do I take the risk and stay here and try to work on a farm or do I go home? So I ended up going home. Dang. I know. Were you pretty, pretty bummed, like pretty broken hearted after making that choice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so insane, too, because once I finally made the decision, I had booked my flights and it was a flight from Melbourne to Sydney, which are in two different Aussie states. And... The night of my flight, they had said, okay, if you, if you're transition, if you're going from one state to another in Oz, you have to quarantine for 12 days. And I was like, okay, well I need to get on my flight the next day to San Francisco. And, um, but I'm getting into Sydney tonight. So that shouldn't apply to me. Well, they ended up canceling my flight and rebooking me the next day, but then I would have had to quarantine. So I had to figure that out. And then I figured it out. Everything's fine. I got to Sydney and then I was going to take a flight to San Francisco and they were like, they essentially told me that three of my flights had been canceled. And I was like, I only had two. And they're like, well, we rescheduled you three times, but they keep canceling. Oh, geez. And so I thought I was going to be stuck there after I made the decision to go. To get home. Dang. Right. So it was a very emotional. It was like an hour until my flight took off. And the woman I was talking to who I was like totally stressing with and, you know, like crying a little mm. bit because I was like, I'm so rattled. And she finally found a way for me to get home and it was an hour before my flight was taking off and so yeah went through like security and all that stuff but it was a very emotional like crazy 24 hours just trying to get into flights and as i was talking to other people too at least three of them had similar stories where they said yeah my flight's been canceled multiple times i didn't think i was getting home wow yeah and but then you know on the flight to san francisco that's gonna take me after san francisco portland I realized, you know, I'm safe. I'm going to be fine. But as I'm flying, it hits me like my trip that was going to be two years is now like four and a half months. And I'm going home. And I did. I had like a couple tears and I was like looking out the window. I was like, oh, this sucks. <sighs> Dang COVID. Dang COVID. Dang COVID. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of a a privileged thing, right? Oh, I can't travel anymore because of COVID. You know, so many worse things happen. So, like, I... Had it better than a lot of people, but oh, it yeah. did suck. And you did still get like so many cool experiences in that time. Yes, absolutely. And it gave you that hunger to want to go back and do it some more. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And I met so many incredible people. It's so crazy. Like, I don't, I don't know if we'll talk about it more, but, you know, one of the people I met in Thailand, I've traveled with him now three times. Yeah. Like since then, you know, mm-hmm. and. I was visiting a friend in Croatia recently, and as I was flying in, you know, I posted on Instagram that I was going to be in this town, and a friend that I had met in Vietnam messaged me and was like, no way, I'm there right now. Oh, really? That's sick. Yeah. So, it's it was cool. Totally worth it. Yeah. Okay. So, so you come back, and you said earlier you you went back to that recruiting agency place, yeah? Yeah. I went back to them 
but knowing that I wanted to do something else. And so that's when I came back, I really realized graphic design was my thing. Like I love being creative. I love making things beautiful and easy to digest. And so I kind of went back to this company. I was like, hey, I'll help you with, you know, recruiting. But I also have a passion for this. And they were incredible enough to say, yeah, okay, well, let's do half and half. You can do half recruiting for us. And then, you know, we have some design needs you can do some design for us as well. And I took a bunch of courses too, like a lot of, um, just a lot of different graphic design courses that helped me immensely. That's really cool that they offered you that. Yeah. Like I said, they're an incredible company. Yeah. Shout out to Nota Group. <laughs> if anyone's looking to become a recruiter at somewhere that you'd, you'd recommend them go to go no, there, huh? Yeah. They're amazing. That's sick. So then, how long were you there for? I was there probably, gosh, it might have only been a year because, and they knew, they knew, you know, I wanted to get into graphic design. They knew that wasn't forever. Honestly, they were just helping me get on my feet and get the career I wanted, which is, I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Um, but where you and I met, mm-hmm. um, so while I was working for Nota Group, a knife company called Benchmade ended mm-hmm. up being one of our clients. And um, as we were working on a search, I progressively stopped hopping on calls. And one time I hopped on the call because my recruiter was sick. So I ended up taking the call for her and it was with the VP of marketing at Benchmade. And, you know, he was like, Alex, I, ha- I haven't heard from you very often. What are you doing? And I had told him that I was getting into graphic design and I'm looking for a position in graphic design. And that's how I got essentially my end with Benchmade is he had worked with me a bunch and had kind of seen what I was capable of and told me I should apply for a position at Benchmade. And then bing, bing, bam, boom, from there it was like, I mean, it just kind of happened, right? Like, yeah. It was pretty quick. It was so, yeah, it was so quick. And then I got to meet the whole team and I got to meet you. Yeah. And we kicked some freaking ass. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to say that on your podcast. But... Oh, yeah. You can say, say whatever you want. but Great. Yeah, no, it's... Um, no, it was fun. It was a good run. And then, you know, we ended up going our own different paths and whatnot. But yeah. you were going on trips here and there throughout while we were while we worked together, right? You went on a few different, like, trips and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. I had uh, gone to England. It was towards the beginning of my career at Benchmade, I think. Or maybe I was still with Nota Group. But went to England for a week. Um then went to Peru for a week and then went to Belize. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't just glaze I, over I them. Know, like that. Sorry, well, I know. I'm sorry. I know you said you don't remember very much about them at all, but. Yeah. So, um, so you said the first one, England, yeah? Yep. So, how long was that trip? That was like a week or. Yeah, I think it was 10 days. And again, like I said, that was with a really good friend that I met in Thailand. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he lives in England. And it was just so crazy because we'd been keeping in touch. And I was like, I, I'm having a hankering. Like, I need to get out of the country. Where should I go? That's sick. Yeah. And yeah. And he was just like, come here. I'll show you around. And yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Also hilarious because he's like, we'll do a road trip tell me everything you want to do and i gave him an insane list and he somehow managed to squeeze all of it into this 10 day period that we had he's a miracle worker but the funniest part about it he's like yeah it's gonna be a lot of driving he goes but you know as long as you feel comfortable driving on like 
the left side of the road. We should be okay. I was like, yeah, no problem. I got this. Like, I did in Oz. I'm fine. It's going to be cool. He's like, good, because that's a lot of driving, and I just don't know, like, if I'll be able to stay awake for all of it. It's like, no, I'm queen of road trips. It's going to be fine. Sure enough, I get out (laughs) into – I get off my plane. He picks me up, and we go into his car. You know, he's driving. And we're talking for a little bit, and then I look down, and I go, oh. He goes, what? Your car's a stick. <laughs> He's like, yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to drive a stick. <laughs> so that was that. I guess he was driving, huh? Yep, he drove the whole trip. <laughs> Jeez. I know. He's a good person. That's awesome. So pretty much every day, you guys were driving somewhere. Uh, first two days were actually in London, so oh, we okay. stayed in a hostel. We went out. We did like a Broadway, well, their version of a Broadway musical, right? And um, just saw all the sights that you possibly could see in London. And then after that, it was driving somewhere new, basically every day. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay, so then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to to run this too long, so. I, I mean, there's some stuff that happened in Peru. I definitely want to like bring right. up just because it sounds wild. But so it was Belize first or Peru? Peru was first. Okay, let's dive into that. Okay. So, so what what made you choose Peru, and then like what did that play out to be like? Yeah. So, the same person I visited in England, he also has an incredible travel bug, um, and he, well. Again, we don't want this to run too long. Anyway, when we had met in Thailand, he had a goal of essentially going to all around the world on that trip. Obviously, he had to go home because of COVID too. And so when right before I went to Peru, he had decided he was going to restart his trip and he ended it in Chile. So he was saying, I'm going to go from Chile to Canada. And he's like, I'm not going to fly at all once I'm there. It's going to be all some like ground transportation or boat walking all the good stuff um and he told me about it and i said okay well if you do it i'll meet you in one of the countries Mm -hmm. and so just with how timing worked out especially with a new job and all that stuff essentially we landed peru is going to be the place to go yeah and meet up yeah so that's that was how you ended up landing on peru exactly um okay what were first impressions were you like all right this proves cool or i mean were you just i'm i mean i feel like you with your personality you kind of embrace wherever you go but i try it was interesting because i flew into lima and he was in cusco cusco yes lima's the capital and lima can be a little bit sketchy gotcha so i got in at night and so my first impression of Peru was like, this is sketchy. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I literally just hopped into an Uber and they took me straight to my hostel. And as I was getting out, they're like, don't go out at night. Dang. Like, yeah. Uber said that to you? <laughs> the driver. Or as I was driving there, he goes, you seem like a nice girl. Like, please don't go out at night around the town, like this area. I was like, okay. <laughs> hey, at least he was straight with you. Absolutely. absolutely and the thing is is i literally flew in and i spent the night and then i got up and got on a flight to cusco so i wasn't gonna do anything anyway but very nice of him to be like you'll be fine in your hostel but stay there yeah don't roll the dice out here honey (laughs) yeah (laughs) you you seem like a nice lady let's keep it that (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so uh so you said you flew to cusco then right okay and then you guys just met up there and 
did you guys have an agenda or were you guys going to meet up and then kind of plan it out like you did in London? Yeah, meet up and plan it out as we go. I mean, there were things I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to quad because I had seen like quadding excursions there. We knew we wanted to do some hikes, obviously. Um, but those are, I mean, those are the things that we wanted to check off the list for sure. But, you know, number one, I had just flown in. I was not adapted to the altitude. So I was like, maybe, maybe we just take it easy. Maybe the first couple of days we'll be chill we're not gonna like go on any crazy hikes um and that's not how he pictured the trip to go so I can't remember maybe I had picked it too but it ended up being the second day I was there or the first full day I was there he took me to the highest hike that we had done that whole trip oh yeah and on top of it as we're going there's a main pathway that's not so steep that takes you to the rainbow mountain that we're going to go see and then there's red valley and then there's like essentially you go in a loop so you go up this like slight incline to get to rainbow mountain and then you go up another slight incline to get to red valley well my friend had decided that or had read on a blog that actually if you went the opposite way it was better Hmm. and i was like okay he goes because there'll be less people well turns out the opposite way is straight up a hill and sand oh sheesh yeah so on my first full day there getting used to the elevation we're going up this opposite way and as we start walking up the opposite way two tourists and a local both were like or all were like what are you doing you're gonna murder yourself this is the wrong way to go (laughs) (laughs) and we did it anyway oh man yeah how'd it turn out well there are a lot of stops not on his part on my part yeah i was like i need water we need to stop he's like it's fine you're gonna do great he had just hiked machu picchu like two days ago gotcha. he's like you're gonna be fine and i felt like i was dying but we got to the top everything was good it was absolutely beautiful and he was right there was nobody there from us going that direction so good tip but absolutely murderous on your body grueling. yeah dang that's cool though hey at least the the blog ended up being accurate right how terrible would that be go yeah. through that whole thing and then there's tons of people there anyway there is no reward at the end of it all right like, dang he played us absolutely dang okay well so from there what did the rest of the time look like in in peru did you guys have any other kind of wild other hikes or anything like that yeah we did a hike the next day on um it's called the seven lakes hike and it was in a mountain range and it had snowed the night before hmm. and so that was absolutely beautiful but also had kind of a crazy adventure because we didn't know it snowed and we only had 15 SPF sunscreen. Oh. So we walked around there. Absolutely. Again, it was a full day hike. Absolutely beautiful. But, uh, oh, ended up seeing a whole group of llamas that were super cool. They were like right in our way. We had to walk through them. They were kind of like giving us a side eye. So we were a little scared. Gotcha. But totally good. Anyway, had a great time. But at the end of the night, as we're like, in our uber back realized uh that we had gotten severely sunburnt hmm. the next day we woke up and we had second degree sunburns Ooh. my lips were puffed to my nose my ears were puffed we, and we had so that was the day we were gonna go quadding and instead we ended up just staying at the hostel and eating and drinking at the bar the whole time Jeez. Yeah. just recovering we're Reco- totally recovering because we couldn't do anything we couldn't go, we didn't want to go in the sun at all because yeah. we're like this is gonna kill our skin and so we kind of just like drank our sorrows away and ate our sorrows away and just like uh, yeah made the best of it yeah it was great 
were you able to re- like recover enough like in yeah a time like that yeah kind of i mean we went quadding the next day and we're still so obviously still so sunburnt and you know every time a local saw us they'd kind of giggle be like sounds really bad for you and I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like thanks yeah and then it was the best kyle there was one like when i was flying home uh i was in the airport and i was sitting and i'm just peeling like at this point my swelling is completely gone but i'm peeling like a snake everywhere like it's just dead skin everywhere and this little girl is sitting next to me and her dad's sitting next to her and she's talking to her dad talking to her dad and she all of a sudden looks over at me and she just gets this petrified look on her face and she just looks absolutely terrified and i was this close to being like wear your sunscreen kid (laughs) (laughs) i know that's great so how how long were you in peru for I was there. I mean, I think that was like a seven day or. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So. So towards the end, I mean, I know it got weird. Yeah. So what? How did it all play out? I guess. Yeah. So my friend and I were on a night bus, and uh, we f- we pass out. We fall asleep. We're going to our next destination. I have like a day or two days left of my trip, and we pass out, and we we wake up to the bus driver telling everyone to get off the bus, and we're like, what? what the heck what's going on he goes everybody needs to get off like go get food we're like we're not hungry we'll stay on the bus he goes get off and eat we're not hungry he goes get off the bus the government is being overthrown there are riots on the streets every like all the main roads are barricaded off we can't get to our destination get off the bus (laughs) very direct well after two times of telling us to go eat yes we're like oh shoot so we get off the bus we're at this teeny tiny like food gas station place and we're like what what's gonna happen what are we gonna do and so we're eating food we're watching the news the news is talking about all of this stuff where essentially like the president of peru tried to overthrow other parts of the government wasn't successful so tried to flee the country they ended up like catching him and then all these riots broke out Hmm. and so we're seeing all of this we're trying to figure out what to do uh and then eventually the bus driver's like, okay, you guys can get back on the bus. And we're like, okay. And we're like, well, can we get to our destination? He's like, nope, but I'm going to take you to this destination, which is like the closest, which is like an hour away from where you were going to go. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Sounds good. So we we go there and we're like, okay, well, maybe we can talk to other bus drivers. So we talk to other bus drivers and like, no, there's no way you're getting there. Like you can't, there, there's no way. All the roads are blocked. You're not getting there. We're like, okay. So we end up staying in that town that night. And then we get up the next morning and we're trying to figure out because I have to make my plane home. And I was like, okay, well, literally the town we were going to get to is like an hour away, but my, like, Lima, where I'm flying out of, is two hours away. We need to get there and the main road is blocked. What are we going to do? Oh, jeez. Yeah. So we start talking to people and we catch wind of locals who have these giant dune buggies who are giving tourists, um, like, essentially rides through the desert to this other town around the barricades and you could pay them and they'll take you there safely and we've heard of a couple people doing this in the hostels and we like kind of look at each other and i was like it's my only it's my only option really to to get gotta go. like i gotta get home like i have a job to get back to and my family and friends and you know after doing some research realizing it's legit we're like okay let's go for it so essentially we ended up hiring a dune buggy 
that's huge it fits like eight people so there was a family from peru there like a family four two like a french couple and then us and then the drivers and they literally just drove us for two hours through the desert of peru and it was the coolest experience I've Dang. Ever <laughs> yeah that's crazy it was insane that's uh, you said it's like an eight person dune buggy yeah that's that's big it's huge and there were so many of them it was in, insane and then it's funny too because locals were trying to take cars through the desert so they were like on this desert road and all these cars kept getting stuck but it was the only way they could go mm-hmm. and so the dune buggy would be on this road and then if a car got stuck would just like bomb it up this sand dune and then go down the sand dune and go through this like crazy part of the desert and then hit the road again and it was it was really cool so some of the cars were making it still some of the cars were making it were some getting stuck absolutely there was teeny tiny cars like we had to pull one out one guy bribed our dune buggy guy and so we stopped and we pulled out i mean i don't know anything about cars but i mean the equivalent of like a ford focus oh trying to make it through these like the sandy desert area and we pulled him out wow yeah hey he had heart you know right well he had a maybe he had to get to the airport too we don't know that's true that's a good point yeah dang that's cool that you guys despite the overwhelming circumstances you guys were able to find such a really convenient option oh well and a really cool option yeah like that if, if there was any way to evade a riot yeah that's the way to do it a government overthrown city and all that like yeah yeah it all worked out yeah yeah it did it was crazy but you know i think more of the story from all of my travels right is i mean i don't want to sound like this is like over encompassing but generally people want to help you Mm -hmm. and if you stay calm and you like look at your options you can usually find a solution hmm that's good advice for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're here now, you know, despite everything that you've been through, you're able to figure it all out. You know, it's funny, too, because when I heard that story, I think Shelby was telling me about your story with the whole, yeah, yeah, what you had to deal with. And I was like, that just, that would happen to Alex. I know. Yeah. Like, I was like that. <laughs> yeah. She's the right person to come into that kind of challenge. So, yeah. You know? you know, and it's so funny because when I travel with this friend that's traveling with in Peru, we always get really unlucky. Like, shit hits the fan with us all the time, but it's incredible because we have very similar travel styles. Yeah. And we can both kind of, I mean, there's definitely times I lose my cool, but mm-hmm. we can genuinely, generally stay pretty calm and just figure it out and that was definitely one of those times we're like okay well plan two or like plan b let's see what's up heck yeah yeah so you make it back to the states you start you get back to work at Benchmade and whatnot mm-hmm. um and then are you still there when you take your trip to belize yes yep and belize belize was uh a lot more chill it was a family trip we had family friends my aunt and my uncle went to it was at like a like a rented out house on the beach so very very different vibe nothing crazy like dune buggies through the desert happened there you could be a nice girl and go out at night and nothing happened to you yes (laughs) (laughs) yes no that's good and that sounds i mean i'm sure that i mean it seems like you like the kind of like i don't know kind of wild you know 
out there travel experiences so maybe this is a little muted for you or something it was just different right like yeah. i saw it a great time it was cool i'd be with the family the family friends but yeah it's i i love i mean i love cheap travel too like living in the hostels meeting new people yeah and you know the little elements of adventure mm-hmm. are great but uh yeah yeah belize was definitely a, a different beast yeah different kind of and was that for like just like a week or yeah okay seven day or yeah so then you came back from there, and um, so at, at a certain point, you decided to dip at a Benchmade. Dip, dip, yep. And kind of like what what drove you to like make that choice? I think I learned so much at Benchmade. It was incredible, and I was able to develop my graphic design skills so much it was incredible, you know, the graphic designer I was under, shout out to Amanda, mm-hmm. uh, taught me so many incredible things, but made the decision to go off on my own and be a freelance graphic designer. Heck yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's awesome. And you've gone on a trip since. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. I mean, I know we probably don't have that much time left, but... Oh, we got all the time. I just want to be respectful of your time. Oh, well, I appreciate it. But yeah, I went on um, a month-long trip to Europe, and it was kind of a modge podge of things. I did a survival camp in England. I went to a baptism in Croatia. I did a solo trip in Slovenia and absolutely loved Slovenia. I highly recommend going there. And then I did part of the Camino del Santiago in uh, Spain, Hmm. northern Spain. That's sick, yeah. And I imagine you're hoping for, like, more opportunities to kind of do more more stuff like that, yeah? Yeah. I mean, here's the deal, too. I think that's the beauty of freelancing is I just, obviously, I love to get out and adventure and see new parts of the world and different cultures. And that's something that also drew me towards freelancing. Um, but honestly, you know, freelancing, any kind of remote work, as long as I can keep seeing new spaces and meeting new people, mm-hmm. I think I'll be happy. Are right, So are you open to like inquiries for questions around travel or around graphic design work? Yeah. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, how, how could they do that? They could do it. Um, let's see. Best way. I don't check my email enough for that to be. A th- um, I would say probably Instagram. It is a private account. But yeah, if you had questions for me about travel, my Instagram is alexdale6. So A-L-E-X-D-A-L-E. And then the number six. Um, yeah, you could, you give me a, a friend or a follow and we could chat travel or graphic design for sure. Yeah. Well, sweet. I mean, I knew that there'd be plenty to talk about. I mean, we filled two hours, no problem. And I feel like we could definitely do another two hours if we, if we wanted to, but, um, yeah, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time, but I really appreciate you being willing to sit down and like talk about all your experiences and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been, it's fun getting to know you over the past few years and I don't know. I hope that, uh, you know, I continue to hear more stories about your travels and see you continue to get what you want with freelance and whatnot. But um, yeah, I really appreciate your time, Alex. Thanks, Kyle. And honestly, this was incredible. This is so cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could do it. And let's uh, let's plan it again when you got some more travels to talk about. Okay.
Sounds good. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks. All right, and that's it. Another episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll tell your friends and family about the show. Um, they, they can listen to it on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, a bunch of other ones that I'm not sure of off the top of my head. But I appreciate you checking this one out and uh, give me any kind of feedback you guys might have. Anything you like, dislike, feel free to reach out at noparticularpodcast at gmail.com and uh, keep an eye out for the next episode.